Hello Spain fans, welcome to another episode of the When in Spain podcast. I'm your host Paul Burge. This week I'm coming to you from Toledo. Yep, this week we're the other side of the Spanish capital. Last week's episode I was up in the region of Aragon. And well, this week, about an hour south of Madrid driving in the historic city of Toledo, capital of the province of Toledo and in the region of Castilla-La Mancha. Thanks for joining me. As I'm talking to you, it's a sunny Saturday morning. And uh, well, today is actually my birthday. I've come to Toledo with Karina uh, and her family. And well, Karina is off looking at wedding dresses. That was uh, her reason for coming to Toledo. Obviously, I can't go look at wedding dresses with her. So I've taken advantage of the situation and, and I'm spending the morning wandering around Toledo. At the moment, I'm standing right in the middle of Plaza Zocodober, which used to be an old Arabic or Moorish souk. These days, it's the main plaza of the city. And at the moment, uh, lots of people around, people buying their Saturday morning newspapers from the little newsstand. There are groups of tour guides waiting to take people on tours of the city. Lots of people around, lots going on, lots of hustle and bustle. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to be taking you around a few of the uh, most important sites of Toledo. I'll be recounting a little bit of history of the city, and it has a fascinating and very rich history indeed. And I would say, really, it's one of the must-see cities in Spain. And if any listeners are at some point in the future planning a trip to Madrid, and you're going to be in Madrid for more than, say, I don't know, four or five days, Toledo is the perfect side trip. It's the perfect day trip from Madrid. As I said, it's uh, 30 minutes on the train from Madrid. The trains leave every half an hour. And if you're driving, it's about an hour drive south of Madrid. So just before I set off and guide you around Toledo, uh, just a quick note to say a big thank you to a new When in Spain patron, Hugh Morin. Hugh, thank you so much for deciding to sign up and support this podcast and the work that I do putting it together. Much appreciated. A uh, big, big gracias to you, Hugh. And if any other listeners enjoy the podcast and would like to help support it, support me in keeping it going and uh, covering some of the costs of putting the show together, covering some of my time as well, uh, please consider signing up to become a When in Spain patron via the Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. It's a crowdfunding page and uh, you can sign up to pledge small monthly donations there are various tiers from as little as one dollar if you pledge at the five dollar or above uh, levels you will also get access to when in spain bonus content and just to say existing when in spain patrons who pledge at that amount or more i will be putting together a little bonus video to accompany this podcast episode as well so Toledo. Well, this is only my second visit to Toledo, actually. I came here about three years ago. Uh, I guess sometimes when things are right on your doorstep, uh, you don't uh, often make the most of them. But I've just really 
remembering and rediscovering just how beautiful the city is. If you're driving in towards the city, you can't help but notice Toledo's magnificent cathedral perched on the hill. Indeed, Toledo itself is, uh, well, dramatically uh, situated, I would say, above a gorge which is overlooking the Rio Tajo. The population of Toledo is pushing 90,000, so it's by no means a huge city. But one thing I've noticed as I've been walking around the city this morning is just how confusing uh, the layout of the city can be. It really is, and I know I say this quite often about Spanish cities, I uh, uh, describe them or their historic centres as being like, you know, a maze of streets or a labyrinth, but Toledo really is. It's another level. It's so easy to get lost in this city. It's a re it really is a maze of tiny, narrow, winding streets. I don't think there is one single straight road in Toledo. One of many interesting things about Toledo is that it used to be the capital of Spain. It is Spain's former capital. And I do sometimes wonder if Toledo had stayed the capital of Spain, what it would have evolved into and what it would have been like compared to Madrid today. So it was the capital from 542 up until 725 during the Visigothic domination of the city and this was the capital of the Visigothic Kingdom. Now not much is known about the Visigoths in Spain. They were a bit of an elusive gang. Toledo could lay claim to being really the centre of the Visigoth Kingdom which followed the Roman Empire. Toledo is also known as the Imperial City because it was the main venue of the court of Charles V uh, the Holy Roman Emperor in Spain, uh, very important to mention that it's also known as the City of Three Cultures uh, because during the Middle Ages it was a place where Christian, Muslim and Jewish communities all peacefully and respectfully coexisted alongside each other. Uh, Toledo is home to mosques, Sephardic synagogues and it also has one of Spain's finest Gothic cathedrals, all of this crammed into a very compact uh, historic centre. I will head along to the cathedral a little bit later, but one thing uh, to mention about the cathedral is that it is home to a 20-ton bell. Roads were specifically created to uh, manoeuvre the bell to the cathedral. How they got it up into the tower is another question. It must have been an incredible feat of engineering, but it weighs 20 tonnes. Unfortunately, the bell is cracked these days, so it doesn't ring anymore. Toledo's other forte is art as well. The haunting canvases of the painter El Greco. Uh, El Greco lived in Toledo and uh, today you can go and visit El Greco's house which has been converted into a small museum. The last time I was in Toledo I visited it. I don't know if I will have time to do that today in today's podcast. One of the most dominating features of Toledo I would say again when you approach Toledo uh, on the hill, one of the first buildings you may notice is the Alcázar. Now, the Alcázar, 
like many other Spanish cities, is uh, an ancient Moorish fortress. It was built on the site of an earlier Roman fort and it was later renovated by the Christian kings Alfonso VI the Brave in the 11th century and Alfonso X Alfonso the Wise uh, in the 13th century. It's a very imposing square block with four uh, towers on each corner. Uh, during the Spanish Civil War, the Alcázar was used as a nationalist garrison and uh, apparently is considered as a monument to the heroism of Franco by Franco's supporters. Uh, today it now houses an army museum with exhibits all about the Spanish Civil War and uh, just behind the Alcázar there's a little square which is just where I'm standing now with great views looking across the uh, plains in the distance and the hills surrounding the city. I've left the Alcázar, I'm just uh, heading towards the cathedral and uh, I can see the spire in the distance and I'm negotiating flights of steps, tiny narrow cobbled streets and uh, walking around the city one thing you also notice is um, there are lots and lots of gift shops of course because Toledo is I would say very touristy to be honest and considering that today uh, is the 7th of March you know I would consider low season um, there are lots and lots of groups of tourists around and tour groups tour guides that kind of thing but as well as gift shops in the city what you also notice very steep streets here. I'm trying not to uh, <laughs> fall over on the cobbles. Um, the thing you notice around Toledo, there are lots and lots of shops selling knives, knives and swords. In fact, Toledo has always been famous for steel, for its steel, called Toledo steel. And Toledo has traditionally been a sword making and steel working center. Uh, since about 500 BC. Um, apparently when it came to the attention of Rome when used by Hannibal in the Punic Wars so it became a standard source of weaponry for the Roman legions. It was also used for the Spanish armies during the 16th and 19th centuries uh, as well and apparently its production has been kept top secret but yes as you walk around the city you will see in uh, shop windows through the glass windows, just getting a bit lost now, um, daggers, pen knives and swords everywhere, readily available to buy. So I'm walking down another narrow cobbled street. The, the thing is with these cobbled streets is they're very steep and yeah, not that easy to navigate. Well luckily I'm going downhill at the moment but uh, I know that going downhill means I'm going to have to go back uphill at some point. I'm just at the edge of the cathedral now, trying to work out which way to go to actually get to the entrance. So I'm just circumnavigating the cathedral's walls. Uh, there's no obvious entrance where I am. So walking through a beautiful little square, people sitting out. Uh, one o'clock in the afternoon, people out on the terrazas, 
guy on the guitar and this little plaza is Plaza Mayor. Now I always think of Plaza Mayor in Spanish cities as being the main square but this is actually very small and um, on the square there is a theatre called Teatro de Rojas. So if you're heading to Toledo and you think that Plaza Mayor is the city's main square, it's not. The plaza where I was at the beginning of the podcast, Docodove, uh, is really the main thronging hub. Okay, so I found it. <laughs> I'm standing in front of the entrance to the cathedral and I've just realised really why it's quite difficult to find. It's really, really hemmed in uh, with tightly packed buildings all around it, these tiny narrow streets uh, that I've mentioned. So when you're uh, a distance away from the cathedral, you can see the uh, spires of the cathedral. Uh, but when you're up close, uh, like as I, I've just been doing, you all walk around in circles down these little narrow streets to try and find uh, the kind of front of the cathedral, I suppose, or the entrance. But I found it, I'm standing in front of it now. There's a monja just going into the cathedral now, dressed in uh, white with a white nun's habit on. So yeah, we've got a, a, an iron gate and a sort of small courtyard entrance, I suppose. Uh, a white marble clock, which only has one hand on it, which is marking uh, one o'clock. And then above the clock, uh, we have a round uh, stained glass window. And inside it, uh, lots of smaller round stained glass windows as well. It's built in the Gothic style. And uh, well, it's considered one of the most important Christian landmarks in Spain. Uh, the cathedral was built in the 13th century uh, on the site of a Muslim mosque. And it's right next to the Juderia, which is the Jewish quarter, which I'll have a walk around uh, a little bit later. To enter the cathedral, worshippers have to walk through what's called La Puerta de Mollete. Now, the, now Mollete in Spanish means muffin or sort of like a bread roll. Wherever you are in the world, you might have a different word for it. And it takes this name because at this door, food used to be distributed to the poor of Toledo. Now, apparently the interior, I'll see if I can walk in I'll see if I can head into the cathedral in a second. The interior stretches uh, 120 meters in length. It's got five naves and it has 88 decorated columns as well. The main dome or the main cupola, the Capilla Mayor, displays images of the retablo of the New Testament scenes uh, with life-size figures. And then the other dome is called the Capilla de Santiago, which contains 15th century marble tombs. Worth mentioning, of course, that inside is one of uh, El Greco's artworks called the Disrobing of Christ, El Spolio. And it also has a piece of work from the renowned Spanish artist Goya called the Arrest of Christ. Okay, I'm inside the, uh, the cathedral. Absolutely breathtaking you really get an idea of the dimensions, the sheer size of the cathedral on the inside. As I said, from the outside, it's quite difficult to tell because it's so hemmed in with buildings. But inside, uh, you walk into the door and yeah, you get a real feel for just really the, the width of the cathedral. For when in Spain patrons, I'll uh, take a, a video so that you can get an idea. So I've just left the cathedral, well worth a visit. You can walk in for free to a certain point and then they have metal, uh, a metal barrier and you have to buy a ticket 
to really explore all of the cathedral. Um, I would say it's worth it. I'm a little bit pushed for time this morning, um, but uh, I, I, from what I could see, especially the frescoes of Goya and El Greco, uh, absolutely looked beautiful. I couldn't get a, a, a completely uh, clear view of them from where I was standing. But I would say if I had more time, I would spend a lot more time in the cathedral. Absolutely beautiful inside. Just seeing it from the outside really, really doesn't uh, do it justice. Uh, incidentally, the name of the cathedral is Catedral Primada Santa Maria de Toledo. So I'm going to wander through these narrow streets, uh, beginning to fill up now, getting busier and busier with every minute that's passing on this Saturday lunchtime. And I'm going to head across to the uh, Jewish quarter of the city. Groups of tour, tour guides and groups everywhere. <laughs> Streets are packed. Where I am now on Calle del Hombre de Palo, nearly every other shop that you see is selling knives, swords, daggers. I'm just having a look in the window now. Uh, yeah, handcrafted. Can't say any prices, but I imagine pretty expensive. They've even got scissors made from Toledo steel as well. They've also got chess sets with all, the, all of the pieces made from steel as well. Let's go and find the Jewish Quarter. Um, I have been there before the last time I came. I can't remember how to get there. <laughs> Full of people. I imagine in high season that Toledo gets exceptionally packed. The other product that uh, Toledo is famed for as well, and you also see it being sold everywhere um, in all the little gift shops and specialist shops as well, is marzipan, the almond sweet uh, in Spanish called mazapan. It's a, it's a typical thing to eat. I'm not a big fan myself, I don't like mazapan, but uh, if you're here and you want a gift from Toledo, mazapan is what you need. So I've just seen a sign which says Casa Museo de El Greco, so El Greco's house in the museum, and a sign that says Sinagogas, Sinagogas, which are synagogues. So I must be heading in the right direction towards the Jewish quarter. I'm just walking along a street called Calle de la Trinidad. So it looks like you can pick yourself up a Toledo steel sword for around 200, 200 and 50 uh, euros or oh, at the cheaper end of the spectrum I saw some letter openers for around 30 euros and you can buy an artisanal box of marzipan for around 8 euros a little bit more affordable so I'm continuing to wend my way towards the Jewish quarter of the city um, and I'm just uh, standing alongside La Iglesia de Santo Tomé which is notable because inside it possesses one of El Greco's most famous paintings which is called The Burial of the Count of Orgaz which was uh, painted in 1586 and is displayed inside a special room inside La Iglesia de Santo Tomé. Um, there are hordes of people queuing up to go inside and I just heard a guide 
telling some tourists that they're not allowed to take any photos of the El Greco masterpiece. But the Iglesia de Santo Tomé is just, uh, just bordering the uh, Jewish quarter of the city. And it's a 12th century church, um, but it used to be a mosque. And in the 14th century, the church was renovated by the Count of Orgaz. Uh, into a gothic style with the very common mudeja style tower. Okay, so I've finally found the Jewish quarter of the city. As I was walking through the streets, I noticed these interesting small, tiny little uh, white tiles laid into the sides of the streets. White tiles with um, what looks to me like Hebrew script, uh, blue letters in uh, Hebrew script. And these tiles are dotted all around these streets. I'm not quite uh, sure personally of the meaning of the tiles, um, but uh, nevertheless, um, I guess it marks, I guess it makes it quite obvious that you're in the Jewish quarter. I'm just sitting down in beautiful, peaceful courtyard of Santa Maria La Blanca, which is an ancient synagogue uh, which has since been converted into a church. Now this is a 12th century Mudeja style synagogue and uh, after the Christian reconquest of Toledo in 1405 the synagogue was converted into the church that it is today called Santa Maria La Blanca. Uh, inside the eastern wall of the building faces towards Jerusalem. There used to be an ark in that wall which held scrolls of the Torah. There is also another synagogue close to here uh, called El Transito. And once upon a time the uh, Jewish quarter of Toledo, La Juderia, was home to at least 10 different synagogues. So in the Jewish quarter of the city, we are slightly outside of the very centre. We're still in the city, um, but the streets are wider. And as you can probably hear, there are uh, cars driving up and down these streets. So I'm just walking now towards the other synagogue, which is uh, slightly, slightly more modern, I was going to say, than the one I've just seen, but not really modern. This one dates from the 14th century and it's called Sinagoga del Transito, which is also home to a Sephardic museum as well. So if you're interested in Jewish heritage in Spain, then it's a must-see uh, site in Toledo. As I'm talking about uh, Jewish history in Spain, uh, just to note that uh, I am planning an episode about uh, the Sephardic history in Spain uh, in a future episode and I've got a very special guest lined up uh, to talk about that who incidentally I had the pleasure of bumping into in Zaragoza last week uh, we bumped into each other as we were walking into the Al Jaferia palace there and we had a chat and she is also a when in Spain listener so Nikki if you're listening to this it was great to bump into you last week I meant to give you a shout out 
in the episode about Varagotha because that's where you live. And I totally forgot, and I'm sorry about that, but here you go. I'm, I'm wondering if you've ever been to Toledo because uh, it's a fascinating place for Jewish uh, Sephardic history. Um, so I'm standing right outside the Synagogue del Transito right now. This is considered the most prominent Jewish monument in Toledo. Again, built in the Mudeja style, right in the heart of the uh, Juderia, the Jewish quarter of the city. There was a thriving Jewish community here during the 14th century. The Synagoga del Transito was built in 1356 by, by Samuel Ha Levi. Apologies if my translation is a bit uh, <laughs> dodgy with that. And he was treasurer to King Pedro I of Castile. El Transito is considered the most important example of Sephardic architecture in existence. And the synagogue is decorated with Moorish-influenced elements. After the expulsion of the Jews from Spain uh, in 1492, the synagogue was then given over to the knightly order of Calatrava. Um, one of the other noteworthy things to see inside El Transito is called the Sarcophago de Tarragona which contain trilingual inscriptions in Hebrew, Latin and Greek. So now you join me in the Monasterio de San Juan de los Reyes. It's just a little bit north of the Jewish quarter and uh, well the Monasterio de San Juan de los Reyes is heaving with people, as you can probably hear. Um, but it was a Franciscan convent founded in 1476, and the church dates from 1553. Standing in what I would probably describe as a well, sumptuous chapel, and the monastery's uh, 16th century cloister. Really, really beautiful, a lovely little uh, patio as well. Um, the cloister is actually considered uh, one of the finest examples of late Gothic architecture. Uh, in Spain, which looks out onto these beautiful, peaceful uh, gardens. As I head outside on the facade of the monastery, there are there are images and statues of uh, Christians being freed from Moorish captivity. And as I walk round the side of the monastery into Plaza de San Juan de los Reyes, taxis going past. Um, if you look up onto the, the facade, there are also dozens of metal, well they look like, how can I describe them, like shackles really I guess, um, which I assume relates to the Christians being held prisoner by the Moors. Um, but yeah, there are dozens of metal iron shackles hung up on hooks uh, on the on the facade uh, of the monastery interesting so from synagogue to monastery to mosque i'm standing in the courtyard gardens of cristo de la luz this tiny little chapel was built as an Arab mosque in the year 999 and it was built on the site of an earlier Visconthic church. Now the original Moorish building uh, has remained intact with its uh, yeah, arcaded facade and on the side of the tiny mosque are the typical horseshoe shaped 
arches to the windows and uh, the arches are made of what looks like terracotta very red colored terracotta and white stone giving this red and white striped effect which for me are very reminiscent of the arches in the Mezquita in Cordoba uh, very reminiscent of that on a much, much, much smaller scale. And right next to the uh, mosque, or as it's now known as the uh, Cristo de la Luz, Antigua Mezquita, is a stone gateway. And the gateway is, well, in Spanish called Puerta de Valmardón, but it has an Arabic name as well. It's called La Puerta Bab al Mardum. And it's a, a city gate into Toledo. It was built in the 10th century and it's uh, one of the oldest gates into the walled city. The name Mardum uh, is actually Arabic for blocked up and it's thought that that's because maybe its function was taken over by the Puerta del Sol, uh, which is a somewhat larger city gate uh, built in the 14th century. Uh, so it's supposed that maybe this gate was at some stage blocked off and stopped being used. And as I just said, there are these gates and that is because indeed, as well as being perched on a hill, uh, Toledo is a walled city. Uh, the original walls were constructed by the Romans. They were then renewed by the Visigoths and they were expanded by the Moors and then enlarged even more after the Christian reconquest. Uh, so a bit of a team effort there in building the city's walls. And even today, they're very much still intact. You will see them as you walk around the city on the outer edges of the city and uh, a nice thing to do uh, if you have some time is to actually follow the walls around the city because on the edges of the city as you trace the uh, city walls there are uh, many uh, nice little parks and green spaces that you can stop off uh, and sit down and relax especially if you've been uh, hiking up and down and up and down all of these narrow cobbled streets uh, I have to say it's a good workout for the uh, for the calf muscles um, and I guess that's something that is worth mentioning for anyone who's thinking of coming to Toledo who has uh, maybe mobility problems. Um, I would say that unfortunately it could be uh, quite difficult to navigate a city like Toledo if you uh, uh, have problems walking or indeed if you use a wheelchair. I just say that because it's incredibly steep very hilly, very narrow. I would say also that the streets being uh, cobbled can be quite slippery even when it's not wet. Um, so that is something to take into account. Uh, the edge of the historic centre, which is basically the, uh, the part of Toledo which is on the actual hill, when you arrive into Toledo, the uh, more modern outskirts of the city, there is access to the historic centre via escalators by mechanical stairways which take you up to the beginning of the historic centre. But other than that, once you get to the historic centre, everything is narrow, steep, winding streets. So there's just something to take into account. So I will leave it there for this episode. I think I've uh, covered a good few kilometres of the city in the last couple of hours. It's now about quarter to three in the afternoon. Uh, I've arranged to meet up with Karina and her family. She's bought the wedding dress. 
<laughs> and uh, we're going to meet up uh, for lunch now. So I will leave it there. I hope this has been a useful a little background overview and insight into uh, the Spanish city of Toledo. As I say, it is really, really worthwhile. Uh, it's certainly worth a visit if you're uh, coming to Madrid. And uh, earlier in the podcast, I said that, you know, it's uh, easy to make a day trip to Toledo. Well, just walking around the city today for you guys has made me realise that, you know, actually really does warrant more than just a day. I mean, you can see most of the sights in a day, but I think if you really want to soak up the atmosphere of the city and uh, see these sights at a more leisurely pace, certainly more leisurely than I've done today, um, then you could easily spend two full days in Toledo, spend a night in Toledo and have two full days to enjoy the city. Um, because really, monuments aside and its fascinating history aside, it's a beautiful city just to walk around at a nice leisurely pace it's got lots of beautiful little squares and patios hidden away in these narrow streets perfect place to sit and relax and watch the world go by so my advice if you can uh, give Toledo uh, two full days to uh, see it properly because you can spend a good couple of hours in each of these places that I've mentioned and one last thing to mention also uh, is that uh, all of these sites that I visited today are not very far from each other. I would say they are between 10 and 20 minutes walk from each other. Uh, but the thing that you do have to take into account that it's very difficult in Toledo to walk in a straight line between different sites. So it can be a little bit deceptive when you look at a map and you see these two places that look pretty close together. Um, but navigating the streets you have to sometimes double back on yourself go around in little circles you're going uphill then downhill uh, navigating this labyrinth of streets which I've mentioned a lot in this episode but you if you come to Toledo you will know exactly what I mean <laughs> Yes, my legs were pretty achy after walking up and down around Toledo for a few hours, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Beautiful city, and uh, uh, it comes highly recommended from me. If you're in uh, that part of Spain, uh, certainly go and visit uh, Toledo. Uh, just before I finish up this episode, if you're new to the When in Spain podcast, uh, we also have a presence on all of the usual social media platforms. There is a When in Spain Facebook page and Facebook group. Feel free to join the group. There are around 3,000 uh, members in the group. It's a place for you to share any questions with fellow When in Spain listeners. It's a place for you to share any content which you think is interesting about Spain, photos, news articles, anything like that. If you're into photography, When in Spain also has a presence on Instagram, where I usually post photographs which uh, relate to the various When in Spain episodes, and I also post uh, random snaps on there that I like from around Madrid and other parts of Spain. So go and give us a follow on Instagram. It's When in Spain one That's the handle you need to follow us there. One last thing just before I go, if you enjoy the When in Spain podcast or if you enjoyed this episode and you would like to show some support for the work that I do, please consider becoming a When in Spain patron. Uh, what is a When in Spain patron? Well, a When in Spain patron is someone who very kindly signs up to make small monthly donations to help support the podcast, to help uh, cover the, some of the costs uh, in putting the show together and indeed my time as well. Um, 
So if you do enjoy the podcast and maybe you've been thinking about doing it for a while, you can sign up anytime from as little as just $1 per month. If you sign up at the $5 per month or above levels, uh, you will also get access to bonus When in Spain content as well. It's really easy. It takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Uh, it's secure and you can do it on the crowdfunding website called patreon.com forward slash when in Spain patreon.com forward slash when in Spain and when you hit that page you'll see the when in Spain logo and the branding you'll know you're in the right place and on the page you will see I think there are five different tiers uh, which you can sign up to to make small monthly donations so anything at all from as little as one dollar per month to help keep this podcast going and growing I would be really 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 grateful and appreciative I'm an independent content creator that is what Patreon is designed for. It's to give fans of independent content creators the opportunity to show a little bit of their appreciation by making small donations. This is my passion project. I love bringing a little slice of Spanish life or Spain into your ears every week, but it doesn't come without its costs and it is very time consuming. Unfortunately, I don't do this full time. I would love to do it full time. But as I said, this is a passion project which I do alongside my day job, which is teaching English. And uh, I don't have any big media uh, company behind me. Uh, I don't have the backing of any sponsors or anything like that. And uh, well, frankly, without the support of the patrons that I already have, I probably would have stopped doing this quite a long time ago. So if you do enjoy the podcast and you would like to see it continue and you would like to listen to many more episodes in the future, which will hopefully become bigger and better with uh, more guests, more places, more information, more insights, uh, all of that kind of thing, then please do consider signing up to become a patron from just as little as $1, half a cup of coffee a month to keep this podcast going into the future. Okay, enough of the shameless self-promotion. I will be back with a brand new episode next week. In the meantime, I will bid you hasta luego. Hasta luego.